the blast from our past network. You, you should listen to yourself. Yeah. You say that the problem with people is that they don't care. So I don't care about people. That makes no sense. You know why? Uh, you, you care. You, you want to know? Damn right. And you're going to make a difference. Whatever. The point is, is that I don't think you're quitting because you believe these things you say. I don't. I think you want to believe them because you're quitting. You want me to agree with you and you want me to say, yeah, 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 you're right. It's all fucked up. It's a fucking mess. We should all go live in a fucking log cabin. But I won't. I won't say that. I don't agree with you. I do not. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to talk about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and Dean has decided not to join us this week because he's too scared. The first three weeks have terrified him. He turned this movie down and is no longer with us. It's just me. Tim, oh. I'm here. Oh, you made it. I showed up. Yeah, I decided oh. to show up. I know I canceled on you, but I decided I would show up. Oh, thank goodness, Dean. Thank you. And it's because it's because I love this movie. Okay. Yeah, I knew you loved it. Um, I also yeah. know that the terror has just been creeping up this entire month. Oh, yes, definitely, Tim. We're on week. Um, what week are we on here, Dean? Four, I believe. We're on week four here. And I mean, some of the previous weeks I wanted to tap out. I didn't want to show up. So For sure. Ooh, man. But we're going to do it. We're going to finish this off strong. Okay, we've got this, and we've got our bonus Halloween episode coming out on the 31st. Keep, yeah. keep an ear out for that. I haven't slept in two weeks, and it's all worth it. Right. Yeah. I haven't slept in a month since we oh, started. Wow. Oh, yeah. Tales from the Crypt? Oh, dude, there was so much murder going on in that comic book. Oh, my goodness. Ooh. Nightmares for weeks from that one so dean we're doing the movie seven from 1995 now yes. i i understand this is not your traditional halloween horror movie but this is a movie that you and i love and it is terrifying it is scary it feels spooky and it's gory so i feel like it hits on kind of all of the right cues for the month of October, it's just not a horror, but that's okay because we wanted to talk about it. So we're doing it. Yeah. And it is a movie that um, it definitely scared me when I watched it as a teenager. So I, I think it has aspects to it that are, that are pretty scary. It's not quite a horror, like you said, but these are the types of movies that really do scare me. The The movies where there's like, a man and the man is killing like that that scares me oh for sure i mean this is scarier than most of the horror movies i've seen 
Yeah. It's just more, it's just so terrifying. I was it's really very disturbing as well. It is disturbing as well too. Yeah. I was really excited and really scared to watch this when it came out after hearing yeah. people's reaction to it. Mm. I had no idea what it was at all. I did not go to it in the theater because I was too scared. I was like, I'm going to see what okay. people think about it. And then the feedback was, oh my goodness, you have to see this movie uh, for, for many reasons, um, but watch out. And yeah, I waited um, until it came out on DVD, rented it from the local video store. I can't even tell you if I watched it alone or if I watched it with a friend. I don't remember. I just remember thinking, wow, just wow. This, yeah. this was something. Yeah. I went into this one absolutely blind, had no idea what it was. I had a friend visiting um, from outside the province and he was going to come for a week. And we were always really big into movies. And he brought, or no, he told me we had to go rent two movies. We rented The Usual Suspects and Seven. Ooh. And we backed to back those. And I had never seen or heard of either of those movies before. So after watching The Usual Suspects, it is such a perfect follow-up to that if you just don't know what's going to happen in this movie. It is. It was so good. It was such a great night. They were like right off, like, like right after watching them, I was like, these are two of my favorite movies that I've never heard of before. Nice. Yeah, your friend likes Kevin Spacey, hey? My friend, yeah, he. that is actually what happened. He really liked Spacey. So uh, it, was, uh, it was a pretty nice... Uh, shock in this movie when you get some spacey definitely a shock in this movie when you get spacey and that's because they don't credit him in the opening credits he avoided all of the marketing of this movie so that it would be a shock when he showed up in the movie now we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here but since you're mentioning it you know i'll just touch on it fantastic fantastic job with that hiding somebody who's going to be in the in the movie like a big star hiding them yeah and then having that be a big reveal it's brilliant brilliant so good it's so effective in this uh in the scene that you do end up hell yes it's shocking shocking it's shocking yep released in 1995 with a budget of 33 million dollars this film smashes the box office and grosses $327 million. Wow. I actually didn't know it was such a success. It was. Dean, that is a sinful box office grossing. That is sinful, Tim. It's grotesque. It's greedy is what it is. Oh, well. Well, now. Look at you. That is, that is actually, that does shock me a bit because uh, I, I didn't know that this would be, this would be such a high gross, like over $300 million. That is a lot. Yeah. In 95, this was a in 95, that's massive huge. hit. That's crushing. That is crushing the box office. I don't, um, I love David Fincher so much. Me too. Um, I don't really know all of his box office numbers, but that's gotta be one of the highest. Like maybe one of his ones that are like based off of books is probably higher, but yeah. Like maybe Gone Girl or something, because people, you know, if when they when they like the book, then you know they go see the movie. But that's huge. That is huge for like his second movie. Amazing. Uh, so yes, directed by David Fincher, amazing director. His first movie was Alien Three. Mm-hmm. Big fan of that one. And then he does this, and then he does the game, and then he does yeah. Fight Club. 
That's his first four films. Are you kidding? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I love David Fincher. I love his movies. He's one of my guys. Finch, settle down. Settle down a little bit, buddy. This, don't, this is too fast. You're going too fast. That's like Usain Bolt, like breaking off the line for, for the 100-meter dash. <laughs> yeah. Just slow. You got a long career. Just settle down, buddy. Alien movie, uh, this this movie, Fight Club, and the, the game. game the all game. in the same decade? I can't wait to do the game. That movie's so much fun. Settle down. I love the game, man. Music by Howard Shore. Uh, a name I'm not all that familiar with, but this guy is a giant in film. He's Lord done of a, the Rings, right? Uh, yes. Uh, Lord of the Rings, like you mentioned. Also, the Hobbit trilogy. He also did Silence of the Lambs. He, oh, okay, cool. So, yeah, he was ready for this. He does uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, one of the creepiest and most terrifying movies of all time. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's right, Tim. It was for me. Uh, that Thing You Do. <laughs> That's a good one. Gangs of New York. Oh, that's a great movie. Yeah. He does a lot of stuff. Now, this was written by Andrew Kevin Walker, and he hasn't done much. This was for sure his biggest film, but he was credited as a script doctor on Fight Club and also on Event Horizon. Hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Um, His primary influence for writing this screenplay came from his time spent in New York City while trying to make it as a screenwriter. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, uh, it was a rough time, I guess. Uh, I hope he's okay. I hope he's okay. I think yeah. he saw some. Um, he saw some shit, dude. He saw some shit, and uh, apparently it was raining a lot there because I'm pretty sure that uh, these two work in Rain City in this movie. Oh, beautiful man, beautiful. You're jumping ahead a little bit. Uh, love, love that aspect of it. Amazing. We'll, we'll get to that point. Cinematography by Darius Kanji. Now, this guy, we've talked about him before. He did cinematography for Alien Resurrection. Oh, okay. So, quick refresher on him. He also worked on The Beach. He worked on Midnight in Paris, Okja, and Uncut Gems. So, oh, okay. okay. This guy's good. He's good. Mm-hmm. Now... I'm going to get right into the story because th- this is a story that I think is going to take, you know, a pretty significant walkthrough. It's going to take us some time to walk through this one. There's a whole lot going on. Yeah. Not a lot of stuff we can uh, gloss over. So I'm just going to get right into it, if that's okay with you. Oh, yeah. We meet Morgan Freeman playing Detective Somerset, and we meet Brad Pitt playing Detective David Mills. Somerset is the older detective. He's in his last week on the job. He's retiring, and Mills is the new hotshot coming up who's there to take his place. And from the very first scene that these two guys are on screen together, I think this movie just does an excellent job of slowly building their bond and relationship throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. It's they are they are playing tropes like a young new cop and a old cop that's about to retire but they are so good at it they are so good at knowing their own character and how to play off each other that they don't really actually fall into like those caricatures they just like are actually people but they are playing those tropey characters it's so so good 
Yeah, it is really good because while Brad Pitt is new new in town, like he's an established detective already. He's just come to this town to take over the job. So yeah, he's like considered the rookie, but he's still an excellent detective, right? But he's not yeah. on the level of Somerset, first of all, because Somerset's been at it for so many more years. And this is Somerset's town. So he's he's got his finger on the pulse, right? Yeah. And there's something about this town um, as we kind of get right away. It just is a little bit worse than anywhere else. Okay. Well, since you, since you continue to push this... Um this issue dean let's just talk about it then okay i love i love the aesthetic of the movie like they create a world that just feels broken and busted um it's all like shades of brown uh, grays black it's all dusty it feels like there's like a grain a graininess to the world totally Uh, yeah like you said it is always raining it's raining every scene in this movie and i just thought it set such a perfect atmosphere for this story that they're going to tell to counter this dull look though. I did notice that there's a ton of movement of characters and the camera, like in the scene when you could just have two people standing together talking, they're not, they're always moving, they're walking together or they're traveling from point A to point B. So we don't get bored with kind of how dull everything looks. They did a really, really good job with that. And yeah, yeah, it, they used um, some sort of uh, uh, some sort of like chemical process on the film to actually uh, get rid of the color that should normally be in it. Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's it. it I, I love the the tone that this is setting visually, and then I also love the reason I brought it up is because of this opening scene, sort of with um, Mills and Summer set together where Mills is telling us just sort of like how good he is and how long he's actually been working in homicide. It's not like he hasn't worked in homicide before. And all Somerset says is, not here, you haven't. So already I know like, oh, there's something different about this place. All he cares, like all Somerset cares about is that he hasn't worked here. So he hasn't seen it yet. And Mills even says like at one point, like you've read my file, right? You know the things I've done. And he just says, no. He just answers no. It doesn't matter to him. It yeah. doesn't matter what he's done in the past. He's never worked here, and that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So um, now we get this really creepy opening title sequence for the movie. Oh, yeah. Um, someone is writing in a journal. Uh, they're crossing lines out of a book. They're cutting pictures up. They're cutting the skin off of their fingers. It's very weird and unsettling. Uh, but again, yeah, I've never done that. No, me neither. It's, it's, it sets the mood nicely. Yeah. It's very creepy. It is creepy. What I read was that they didn't want to wait until the third act to show the killer. So they threw the killer in here Mm. in the very beginning so that they could establish the killer in the movie. Now, while we don't actually know that we're looking at the killer yet, it's still, it still gives you that uneasiness and it is still the killer like right away in the movie. So I, I thought that was a really interesting way of doing it. It really is. And it, it does um, give you that feeling as we walk through the movie and we walk through the things that are happening because we're not going to see the killer. Seeing this at the beginning does just give you that uneasy feeling of like this, the person that is behind it. Like what is the person that is behind it going to be like? What are they going to look like? What are they going to be doing? Um, it just... I think it does a great job of setting that 
sort of setting that tone like we've been talking about just straight off right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Now, the um, this this opening credit sequence was made by a Kyle Cooper. Um, he's also known as the man you want to go to if you need a cool opening credit scene for your movie. Because this okay. guy has done everything. He has more than 350 opening credit scenes on his resume. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, I'll just uh, quickly list some of them here. Home Alone, Last Action Hero, True Lies, Richie Rich, Braveheart, Mission Impossible, Fallen, Lost in Space, Zoolander, Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, Dawn of the Dead, Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, Tron Legacy, among hundreds of others. I thought he Great opening it. credits in all those movies. Yeah, great opening. Well, especially this one was excellent. Now, Brad Pitt, or Detective Mills, is married to Gwyneth Paltrow. And she's playing a Tracy Mills. Mm -hmm. And now Mills and Somerset are very quickly off to investigate a murder. I like that they just get right into it in this movie. Oh, yeah. And like they don't really tell us that. Like they don't really tell us anything. We're just kind of with them um, at, at the at the the house. So, yeah, I, I really like how we just jump. We're, we're basically thrown right into it like we are just arriving on the scene. And there's very, very ominous music as they go into uh, this house. Uh, they find a gigantic man who's dead, face down in a bowl of spaghetti. His hands and feet are tied together in barbed wire. And later, the medical examiner would tell them that this guy ate himself to death. And the detectives would also tell us that they found bruises from a gun pressed against his head. Right, right, yeah. What did you think of this scene? Um, I think I, uh, it, it, it's, it is quite a way to sort of set the tone for the movie. I think it's very eerie, very creepy. Um, especially when you look under the table and see that his hands are tied and his, and his like legs are tied together. It just, there's, there's no real reason you're sitting there watching it thinking like you can't reason out why this would have happened. You know, there's nothing out like jumping out in front of you of why this person might be dead and be like, tied face down in a plate of food like it just doesn't make much sense i watch you know you watch a lot of like cop shows like csi and stuff and when you walk on the scene it's like okay i know why i probably know why this happened or why this person's dead i have no clue what's going on in this scene and i love again love brad pitt and morgan freeman in this scene i love that brad pitt is just like i kind of always forget that he just like is going for it in this movie like he is so so good and he's kind of like goofy in it i just I, I really like his character i really like how he's always trying to sort of make jokes and stuff and so he's in this room doing his thing and somerset does not appreciate it because it's not the way that he likes to do things so i i just think it's a great tone setting uh scene yeah i, I agree it was a great opening scene um it really yeah. kind of gets you scared right off the bat because visually uh, for sure it yeah. starts to disturb you visually and it's creepy and they start to sort of allude to, you know, something maybe bigger going on. Um, yeah. Because they go back to like the precinct and Somerset's talking to the captain and Somerset, he doesn't like this case. He doesn't want this to be yeah. his, his case during his last week on the job. Uh, he says like way more time needs to be spent on this than one week. And he also doesn't think that this should be Mill's first case as uh, the rookie. And yeah. he actually gets Mills assigned to a new case. 
but he yeah. has to stay on this because they don't have anybody else, which was uh, which was interesting. So Mills' new case is the, this next murder where a defense attorney has been killed, and yeah. the word greed is written on the floor in blood. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. And yeah. Mills is very um, upset at this crime scene. It's it, I. I thought it was very interesting, the two crime scenes where he was kind of goofing around in the first one. And then the second one where he was by himself and it was a defense attorney and like all the press was there asking questions. He was very, uh, he was like very concerned and he was like not really, um, he didn't like that this was the case he was on. It seemed like Mm. he was very disturbed by this. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't really pick up on that. Uh, That's neat though. Maybe he's just like not comfortable. Maybe he's just clearly not comfortable. Then I guess, you know, maybe, maybe he's yeah. like he's projecting, you know, his confidence. But maybe once you get down to it, you know, Somerset's right that he's not quite ready for for this himself. Yeah. Well, as he was walking up to the the crime scene, there was a lot of comments in the background of how young he is and who's this guy and like, oh, it's the new guy. What's he gonna do? So maybe he was. Yeah. When he got up there, he was just like angry. Maybe. Hmm. So. Somerset must be jealous that Mills found a word written at his crime scene because he also right. wants to find a word. He wants he one too. So he goes back to his his first crime scene with the first victim and he yeah. finds some pieces of floor that are missing that were mm-hmm. fed to his victim. Then he moves the fridge out of the way and finds the word gluttony written on the wall in Greece. So they're tied yes. one word apiece. Yes, they're tied one word apiece. They each have a word. Uh, this, they each have a it's word. It's words with friends. And, uh, <laughs> it's one, one word all. <laughs> they both start with G, so it's all even yeah. up to here. I don't know how many times I've seen this movie, so many times, and I always forget, even this time watching it, might be my 10th time watching it, I always think that this guy has Scrabble tiles in his stomach that say gluttony. Oh, I don't really? know why I think that. Oh, that's I always weird. think that. I know it must be like a CSI episode or something because yeah. it's just stuck in my head. So even when like the when they bring the ple- pieces of plastic in the like that the corners like this is found in his stomach. I'm like, oh, those are the, the words that spell out gluttony. Oh, weird, like, man. What are, we, what are we talking about? I always forget. <laughs> that's, that's really strange. That's a cool it's idea. very strange. But, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> so we're back at the precinct and Somerset lets us know that there are seven deadly sins, right? He's mm-hmm. on to this. Somerset, yeah, smart dude. Smart, calm, cool, collective. He tells us the seven deadly sins are gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, pride, lust, and envy, and that they can go ahead and expect five more murders. Yeah, he knew something was up right away. Right away. He he is, that's what also up. makes him so smart. He's he knew something good. was up without the word gluttony, without this other murder, just his murder. He's like, no, I don't want to take this. I know something's up with this. I know this is going to take a long time. Yeah, he was right. So we get some scenes here where Somerset is doing research at the library and Mills is reviewing his case at home. And at this point for me, it all starts to feel like a big mystery is being unraveled. Oh, um, yeah. And it, it really makes me feel like I need to start paying attention to everything that's happening on screen because maybe there's clues that I can pick up on as well. 
Like, not that I think I can help them solve the case, but maybe there's something that they've thrown in there for me to notice. So I'm hyper aware of like all the things that are going on, which I like. I like when movies do that to me. Totally. It it actually makes me want to go to the library. These library scenes, I'm just like, I want to go to the library and check out books and solve a murder. <laughs> like, uh, I wanna, that's what okay. I want to do. Okay, Dean. All right. Well, we're not gonna I go, didn't we're do not gonna it, go to the Tim. library. I didn't Dean. do it. Come on. People don't go to the library anymore. I know. I know. In 1995, they did. Oh, they sure did. Yeah. Yeah. Do you yeah. remember when you had a library card? Yeah. Did you I ever, used to you love ever, the library. Yeah? I used to love it too. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I actually still have a couple books from our public library. Oh, like nice. with the little, I think like, you're supposed to return those library too. insert. Well, it's long closed now. <laughs> oh man, you have such, so <laughs> many late fees on those things, man. <laughs> yeah, I definitely wouldn't go back now. I'd probably be a legend there. You, oh, yeah, you probably are a legend. They'd arrest you as soon as you walked in the door. Yeah, exactly. They'd have a picture of you from when you were 11. It's do- the Dr. Seuss, The Sneetches. It's that book. <laughs> okay. I just, lo- just loved it so much. It was my favorite yeah, Dr. Seuss. just kept it. I think I just kept it. Yeah. You know what? Nobody's perfect, okay? We all make mistakes. Stop judging me, please. You're going to go to library jail for sure. I can see the envy in your eyes that I kept that book. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is. I know. I was wishing I kept some books from the library. <laughs> no, you know what the thing is? I may have just purchased it because the library used to sell books as well, but they just yeah. left like the library inserts in it. They didn't take the time to take that out, so... I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with I purchased it at a library sale. Yeah. I've got a ton of VHS tapes that are still in their like rental boxes because they would sell them off. So that's probably what happened. There you go. I'm not a bad guy, everybody. Come on. No. That's not me. You wouldn't steal. my character. I wouldn't steal books. Yeah. I don't even read books. Yeah. Stealing is that's not one of the seven deadly sins, is it? No. So you're fine. Yeah. You're in the clear. Yeah. Neither is murder. Oh yeah, weird. <laughs> I guess weird. it. I guess it's just a uh, an outcome of some of the sins, right? I guess the question is, why are you murdering this person? Oh, if it's out of happiness, that's okay. Right? Yeah. If you just love them so much. Yeah. If it's for a different reason, maybe not so much. Yeah. Now, one of the themes I like in the movie, and I thought they did a really good job with, is this whole idea that Somerset is retiring. But it seems like he's trying to convince himself that that's actually what he wants. Um, he, he makes this comment that he doesn't understand the world anymore. Like he's, he mm. saw something that terrified him and he just doesn't understand the world. And it's time for him to get out. He believes he doesn't mm. belong. But he says that early on. But for the rest of the movie, I feel like it's him trying to convince himself that he can actually quit being a, a detective. Like, yeah, he, he wants to get out of the city, but he can't stop being like what he is. And that's a detective. Yeah. And he struggles with it the whole movie. And I really like it. Yeah, you're, to- you're totally right. I didn't pick up on it until, you know, uh, Brad Pitt and him have a conversation about it later down the line. And after that conversation, that's when I'm like, oh, 100%. That is exactly he's just trying to convince himself that he shouldn't be a detective. Um, but yeah, he's just trying to work through his own stuff while this is while this is happening. Well, that's a great discussion that he has with Brad Pitt because he's trying to explain it to Brad Pitt. He's like, yeah, dude, like, um, it's just not worth it. You know, you can't be a detective in this type of like town. And it's just not like he's saying all the things he wants to say to convince himself. And then Brad Pitt's like, oh, no, dude, like, I don't feel anything like that. 
Like I, I, yeah. I, I'm the op- like I enjoy my job. I, I like what I'm doing. Um, so I like that he was looking. F- uh, Somerset was looking for reassurance. Like he's making the right decision from totally. his partner. And, he wasn't and his partner's like, yet. no, I'm, no, I, I'm sorry. I don't agree with you. That's not how I see things. Yeah. I really like that. It, it would have been really easy just to have Brad Pitt agree with him, but they went a different route. For sure. I, I thought it totally yeah. worked. It's great. Works. Yeah. It worked great with their characters. Now, just back to this library scene, Tim, um, isn't Somerset off the case now? Doesn't Mills have both of them? because they're connected. So I think this is Somerset just helping him out. So this again just shows you that like he can't stop being a detective and trying to solve it. Like he yeah. is going to still look into it and help out his his uh new replacement. Yeah. Yeah, it's like Somerset's on the case, then he's off the case and then his Mills case and then shortly hereafter they get back together on the case. So Yeah, yeah. Um I don't necessarily think you, they needed to do all that. I do remember like first time seeing it, you know, you feel a little bit of anxiety that Mills gets left on his own in this case. Cause you can kind of see he's not ready for it. And then yeah, I like sure, again yeah. when they team up again, but I don't yeah. know if you necessarily need this in the movie. They could have just been on the case together. Yeah. I hear you. So Tracy Mills has invited Somerset over for dinner and as I'm still looking everywhere, Dean, for secrets, mm. I actually found one this time. No way. I did. Yeah. When Somerset, well, when Somerset shows up at the Mills apartment, they live in apartment 5A. And more about that later. I wouldn't want to spoil anything. Oh, shit, Tim. Okay. Sounds good. F- I saw 5A and then the, the little bell went off in my head and I'm like, ooh. Is this something? And then I went down a little rabbit hole and I was correct. Oh, wow. Did you go to the library? I went to the the library that humans use nowadays. Ah, the iLibrary. Called Google. Went down <laughs> okay. there. Went to the Google library. You don't even need nice. a card awesome. for that. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah. And you can take out anything you want and keep it. Yeah. True. Not that I do that. And I don't like. And you can add anything you want to the library, oh, Tim. That's true. You can add. You that's can. Pretty awesome. You can put your own book on any shelf you want. It's no wonder libraries went out of business. Actually, they're not out of business. No kidding. Li- I've got lots of libraries in my city. <laughs> I just don't know anybody who goes to them. No. So Somerset and Mills, they do some good bonding after dinner, and they're talking about these cases. And uh, this is kind of where I feel like they just team up again. Um, yeah. I, I don't totally. remember if it was ever made official that they're both back on the case, but it feels like this is kind of the moment. It's They're just kind of, yeah, working it together. Um, yeah. It, it, this is a great scene of them, you know, just showing. I think it's really, really crucial. This scene of them just sort of getting along, yeah. having, you know, having dinner and then just kind of working on the files on their own time um, and just, uh, yeah, sort of just finally not having to worry about like the actual um, bureaucracy of the job and everything, you know, they're just on their couch trying to figure shit out. And I I just really like it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. It was a important scene in the movie for sure. Now something from the latest murder isn't adding up for them. Somerset thinks something was overlooked and he thinks Mm. the picture of the dead guy's wife that had circles around her eyes in blood is the key. Cool. So they go to talk to the wife and they show her pictures of the murder scene. And she notices a painting on the wall is hanging upside down. So they go back to the crime scene 
and take down that picture. There's nothing behind it on the wall. So they cut open the back of the picture and they find nothing. Nothing. Somerset decides to dust the wall for prints and he does find some. Ugh. Some terrifying, terrifying, some terrifying prints. prints. The fingerprints spell out, help me. Ugh. This is terrifying. This is a terrifying moment. Tim, this is terrifying, but this is also so fucking exciting because totally. we're just like, we're just sitting there waiting for something. We are trying to figure it out. You know, it's such a good mystery at this point. And so even just the wife saying, this painting is upside down. It's just like exhilarating. You're like, oh my yeah. goodness, they found something. They found the clue. It's just a painting upside down. So when they dust the wall and it says, help me in fingerprints. Oh my goodness. Terrifying and exhilarating. Definitely. And those fingerprints were not from the victim. They were from someone else. Correct. Yes. So they start running these prints and they eventually find the owner. And it's not one of the nicest people out there. Hmm. Yeah, right. This guy has a long list of bad shit that he's done. Yeah. Um, the captain, the police captain, thinks this is the guy responsible for those two murders. But Somerset and Mills don't really buy into it. But regardless, the police head off to this guy's house in force. Yeah. And I am so amped up at this moment. Oh, yeah. But not for long as they break into this guy's super busted up apartment. It's like the whole thing is like falling apart. It's more of this world atmosphere of just everything like destroyed and decrepit. Yeah. Um, they go through a room full of air fresheners. It's a bad sign. That's a bad Always sign. A bad sign. And they find this guy who they're looking for in a bed. Oh, come on. They pull the sheet off of him and he looks like the Crypt Keeper. I was going to say, it's the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> it is. They find... Another victim, and the word sloth is written above the bed. Oh, man. And there's pictures of him beside the bed and his slow deterioration from person into Crypt Keeper over the past year. A year. Exactly <sighs> a year to the date that they walked in there. Oh, man. Dude. Ugh. I'm getting chills from just uh, going over this again. Yeah, chills, and they have they have like a little um, box there where they have urine sample, stool sample, hair clippings, finger finger uh, nail clippings. Like this, this guy just prepared everything for them just in case, so they would know exactly who it was, just in case you <laughs> couldn't get ID off that body. Jeez. Right. Yeah. One of the officers goes in for a closer look, and this dead fucker wakes up. And holy oh, man. shit, man! Terrifying. This is one of those movie moments that will never yeah. leave you. It, it nope. never will. Um, just like Pet Cemetery, when uh, that mm. guy's uh, Achilles gets cut, that, Ooh, yeah. that and that um, similar kind of scene in that movie with a decrepit person in a bed. But these are moments that they're they're just in there. They're, they're living in yep. your brain and you cannot get yep. rid of them. That's what this movie nope. will do it, to you. And it will always, always be just as terrifying as the first time. Like when I watch it and yeah. I'm just waiting because, you know, even when like when you know, it's almost more scary. You're just waiting for it and it happens and it is. Oh, my goodness. It is so terrifying. And we're just like we're just right in the middle of the movie. And it's just like my my hair is standing on end on my arms. Like, oh, I'm yeah. just like just balled up on the couch because I am just so nervous and scared. I don't want to see any more 
murders, but I also really want to know what's going on. So I keep watching. Yeah, true. Yeah, that is, I want to know what's going on. And you're right. I am now nervous anytime we know we're walking into a crime scene because of what we've gotten so far. This is by far the like sort of creepiest one. And uh, I don't want to go any further. I don't want to see anymore. Just tell me what happens. Mm -hmm. So even though this guy is technically alive, he's definitely dead. Uh, The doctor at the hospital says he's been through so much that if you were to even shine a flashlight in his eyes, he'd die. And the doctor also says he's experienced about as much pain and suffering as anyone he's encountered, give or take, and he still has hell to look forward to. Oh, man, what a line. I love that line. Like, as if that visual of this guy lying on the bed wasn't bad enough, what I really like about this line is they give you the opportunity, like you, the viewer, the opportunity to think about what he actually went through for that year all that pain and suffering. Like it it allows you as the viewer to further examine for yourself in your own head, how sadistic this killer is, if you'd like to go that route, but they don't totally force it upon you. Right. They're just like, okay, I'm going to, we're going to say this and then you can imagine. I don't think anybody actually started to imagine because this was enough. This was terrifying enough, but I like that they leave that option for you. Yeah. And I love how much we've escalated, how, dangerous and how sort of like committed to this seven deadly sins thing this killer is because the very first murder um, what kind of tipped off Somerset is that uh, whoever the killer was had to go to the grocery store twice to buy supplies for the guy to eat and he's like how could he want to do it so badly that he'd go to the grocery store another time and that was all you know that was the thing that that tipped him off but then this Torturing this guy for like an entire year, but like keeping him alive for that entire year. Oh, it's just, it's terrifying. it shows us like we're, we're kind of dealing with something else here. It almost makes this killer like, uh, like greater than a man sort of, you know, like something, something supernatural at this moment. That's very, very creepy. Um, so Mills is calling the killer insane while Somerset seems to respect the resolve of the killer, uh, for their patience and their determination. Yeah. And he also yeah. thinks the killer is very intelligent, which is pretty obvious. Um, yeah. Uh, Mills Mills makes a comment about a library card here. And that makes Somerset think of something. It uh, makes him think that he's got a late book. He kept a book from for too long. That's exactly. No, he's thinking no, he's no, got no, overdue fees. That's not it. He uh, Somerset calls and pays off his friend at the FBI. Somerset says the FBI have been following and flagging books that are taken out for years now. So he's trying to buy some info about anyone taking out books on the seven deadly sins. And this is cool Cool. as fuck, dude. I I love this. I love it. Even hearing it now is cool, even though like our phones are being listened to 24 hours a day. Um, Yeah. Back then. Like this would have been just a super cool idea and probably very true as well. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. And I love that how like Somerset's sort of explaining like we can't really do anything with it. Like it's just information. It just kind of helps you keep an eye on somebody. It's not like, you know, it's not really legal. So like they can't actually say they're using it for anything, but they can it can it can sort of point you in the right direction. Yeah. So they get their information back and they find a name, Jonathan Doe. 
And that's mm-hmm. just creepy. Mm-hmm. Just, it couldn't be a creepier name. They decide to pay him a visit. Great. This was a great scene um, because, you know, they really play down the fact here that they're on to the killer. Like you had yeah. just previously mentioned, it's like they can't do anything with the information. So they're not really taking it all that seriously themselves. Somerset's right, just yeah. like, let's just go check this guy out. Let's talk to him. Let's see if there's anything weird about him. They're at his door and they're laughing and joking about it. Yeah, to the point to the point where like they knock and they don't really know what they're going to say if the door opens. They have no idea. They're just joking about trying to figure out what to say. They're just like looking for any sort of lead. Yeah. Um, but then a guy starts coming down the hall. He sees them, drops his bag of groceries and starts shooting at them. And Mills yeah. pursues. And we get a great chase scene here where the is. killer is always one step ahead and actually ends up sparing Mills' life at the end. Yes. Um, did you want to say anything about the scene? No, just that uh, just that it's great. Yeah, I, I just, I love this scene. It goes on for, you know, quite a while. It's like longer than I expect it to be in this movie because we don't really have any of these types of scenes. Um, and I just really like that sort of right in the middle here, we do have the chase. We have the the chase of the the guy trying to run him down and it goes on rooftops like on um fired down fire escapes uh, it's just it is very exciting and uh you never you never really know when you're looking around the corner you know what might pop out at you it's it's very uh intense uh scene it was very intense and yeah. i think when i was younger and saw it i didn't really like it cuz i'm just like oh come mm. on why doesn't Brad Pitt just catch him and shoot him um, right. being able to kind of like analyze it a little, uh, more critically now, I really like it because now I really buy the fact that this killer can outrun Mills here because this is the killer's terrain, right? This is his community. Sure. This is his town. Mills is just yeah. here. He just got here. He's not, he doesn't know the ins and the outs of this building of these alleys. So it makes sense that this guy would be able to stay ahead of Mills. And more importantly, I think it shows us. Um, and we kind of already know it, but it shows us how capable of an adversary this guy actually is. Like, he's not just smart. He doesn't just have resources. He's actually physically capable of outrunning and, like, having a gunfight with an FBI agent. So I like how yeah. that they build him up here as well. Totally. And I, and I love how often in the chase we are on... Um, Mills face like we're on Brad Pitt's face and we can just see his eyes clearing a room yeah which is like I just find it so interesting uh, seeing how how fast he darts his eyes around the room to yeah. like make sure he's looking in every corner and seeing everything it, and they do it multiple times it, it, it just adds to that excitement of sort of I, I tried myself while I was just watching. I tried to dart my eyes around the room as fast as he could just to like, <laughs> just my own room, like my yeah. my own house, just to see if I could see every corner as fast as he was seeing every corner. Right. Well, there's a reason he's a, as, as a fantastic actor as he is. He's very, oh, he's so good. He's so good in this movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, shout out to the cinematographer again uh, for his work yeah. in this movie. It's fantastic. Also, shout out to uh, the listeners. I forgot to say hello to, to everybody. Oh, so, yeah. We're this hello. deep into it. Hey? I was too scared to say hello, to be honest. I'm just so scared of everything <laughs> right now. I apologize. That's fair. Glad you joined us, uh, everybody. So they go back and they actually break into this guy's apartment to check it out. And they find all sorts of incriminating shit. 
And another like oh, really yeah. s- small thing that they do here that they didn't have to do, but that I like because it just creates realism in this movie is that Somerset is basically saying like, we got the information about him illegally. So we actually mm-hmm. can't go into his apartment. Like anything that we do here, even if we find that it's him, it's just going to get thrown out because we didn't have the right to be here. Mills kicks the door down. And then later we see him that he's like paid off like a homeless person to just say all the things that were necessary to say to allow them to break into that place. So a couple minutes of, you know, dialogue and and filmmaking there that they didn't have to share with us. They could have just kicked that door in. I wouldn't have asked any or thought any differently of it. But they like they keep that realism. They like it's a very realistic movie. It's not like it's not an unbelievable movie. It's a very realistic movie. Yeah, totally. It, and it, yeah, it's, it, it's an interesting choice because they are like, they're, we're basically in a made up place, right? Like we're, we're sort of in a made up town, um, but they make sure that they keep uh, the, the like detective work and that type of stuff um, real so that it just, yeah, it feels, it, it just keeps that um, sort of uh, scariness, I guess, to the movie because it makes it feel more like this is the real world, you know, and this could be happening. Yeah. Yeah, so they um, they find all sorts of incriminating shit in this in this apartment. They've got cans mm-hmm. of spaghetti sauce. There's a hand in a jar. There's an altar. <laughs> shit. Yeah, there's pictures of uh, people, the people who were murdered. There's two thousand notebooks full of writing, and there's a picture of Mills and Somerset from the last mm. victim they found, taken by a photographer who was first on the scene and took their picture, and who Mills told to screw off. Damn, dude, was that ever a great moment? So great. And it just reminds us that Mills has um, in now two situations uh, where his like emotions got that the control of him. He had thrown that camera down and like kicked that guy out. And then in this situation where he kicked the door in both very just like in the moment, emotional things for him to do. Yeah, I like when that camera guy showed up at the previous murder and Mills was just like, like, how do they get here so fast? And mm-hmm. like, how does the press get here so fast? And Somerset says, oh, they pay off the cops for the information. Right. And I love that that was his rational explanation for it. But meanwhile, it's the killer. The reason he got it's there the so fast was because he did it and he was waiting there yeah. for the, it's so cool. It's such a cool idea. Totally. Then even cooler, the phone in John Doe's apartment starts ringing. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Mills picks it up and it's John Doe himself. Doe says he admires them for finding him and then hangs up. And Mills and Somerset find a picture of a prostitute at John Doe's apartment. And they're quickly able to track her down because she's recently been murdered. Mm. She's the next sin on our list. Yes. Lust. Lust. Um... Yeah, so basically this guy uh, at gunpoint was forced to have sex with the prostitute while wearing something that wouldn't feel very good if you were the prostitute. And it, in fact, kills her. And this guy is obviously completely traumatized. Um, And As was I watching this. (laughs) As was all of us. This guy plays traumatized better than anybody, I think. Yeah, that's that's his go-to. That's his go-to. so good. So, so good. Um, 
so we're at this bar. We kind of touched a little bit on this um, conversation at the bar already. Uh, but, but one thing we didn't mention about this scene is Somerset basically tells Mills that this isn't going to end well. Uh, he just yeah, knows right, yeah. there's something going on. And he says, even if John Doe was the devil himself, it would be a letdown for their expectations. It's so such I mean, a good line. It's so good. They're having this conversation. Yeah. Where, where Somerset can see in Mills that Mills is going so hard for this thing and wants to catch this guy so badly that he's trying to tell him like, even if we catch him and it is Satan himself, you still won't, it won't live up to what you are thinking about right now. Your expectations right now, we're building him up so much in our heads. Yeah. Now, nine one one gets a call from John Doe who says he's gone and done it again. Mm. Somerset and Mills go in and find pride. The deadly sin of pride. John Doe has cut off a girl's nose and gave her a phone to call for help, but also gave her pills that she could take to kill herself if she didn't want to call for help. And she takes the pills. Hmm. This one's tough. This one was like more of um, this this one kind of struck more of like a humanity chord. Yeah, he like uses the sin to to kill his victim, basically. Right, he, but he knew she would. Which he he wasn't. Choose, yeah, she, which I guess he, he yeah. knew she would choose it. Yeah, she chose this one, where it's like everyone else was forced into everything they did, but she basically chose to take the pills. I mean. She didn't choose to get her nose cut off. He did that. Right. But instead of calling someone to come help her because they would find her disfigured, she took the pills to kill herself. So, yeah, he was like using it against her. I guess he knew she would do that. She would make that choice. Or he hoped she would make the choice. I guess, yeah, he would have been so screwed up. Or no, I guess he just would have tried to do it again with someone else. But he seems like he's on a very specific timeline in this movie. So, it, yeah, he would have had to, uh, I think he would have had to, like, scope out his victims um, pretty well so that he would know that this would be her choice. For sure, dude. He's super intelligent. He's not just, like, picking yeah. random people and being like, here, I'm going to feed you so much until you, your stomach bursts. Like, he's got, he's targeted people for these oh, reasons, totally. right? He, he would have been, yeah. um, you know, watching her and... Um, you know, realize, look, if I put her to this test, I know how she's yeah. going to, I know what she's going to do. Right. Yeah. So that's, f- yeah, it was, it was, it was an interesting, sorry, I just want to say it was an no, interesting follow-up to all the other sins because we've just got like one of the ones that makes us feel sort of the most uncomfortable. So now we get to this, this next one. And it's like you said, it's, it's more of like a psychological, like humanity thing, you know, like it's just, it, it's attacking the person as a human and what they will do in a situation. It's just, it's very different than all the others. So I like that it's sort of placed in here where it is. Yeah. Well, I like that they do a really good job of making each of the the murders kind yeah. of unique in the movie. Like it's not just the, same, sure. yeah. the yeah. same thing, you know, one after another, those deadly sins are all very different from each other. And I think they do a good job of kind of making the murders all a little bit different. Yeah. And all horrible. Well, they're all they're all horrific. Uh, yes. So that's five murders so far. And here's what I think the movie is doing most excellently up to this point. Something that makes this movie so unique. And that is that we only ever see the result 
of the murder. We never see yeah. the actual act. Mm-hmm. In one of the most terrifying movies out there, mm-hmm. you never actually get to see the killer kill. And not that I want Correct. to. Like th- These are no. just, it's all so awful that I don't want to see how it happened. But I think movies can often get lost and go over the top in their depiction of killings and kind of lose me sometimes where this movie doesn't do that at all. Yeah, totally. And it allows, um, it actually makes uh, sort of both the characters of Somerset and Mills and their interpretations of the situation. um, It makes them both, um, you know, you understand sort of both sides because like, while Somerset is like, this guy's extremely intelligent. Mills is like, this guy's a wacko. Like he's just, he's, this guy's probably just like at home covering himself in peanut butter right now. You know, he says something like that. Um, And since we haven't seen him and since we haven't seen him actually committing the murders, um, we don't really know. We don't really know what he is like on his own time. Um, Like in between, in between these, uh, these killings. So yeah, it's, it, it keeps that mystery. It keeps that mystery of, John Doe for us. Yeah. Mystery is a great term. Um, I was kind of in my head. I had anticipation. Like totally. Yeah. There's just like kind of coming upon the crime scenes every time. There's Mm -hmm. always this eerie calmness to the scene because everything's over. Everything's done. Yeah. Right. But it just builds the anticipation for me of like, well, what are they going to figure out? Like what kind of clue are they going to find here? Uh, to kind of progress the story. So um, I just, I liked their, their way of doing it. Like it's kind of unique to this movie that they do it this way. And it it just works so, so well. Yeah. And it it is also interesting that every crime scene we're getting to because of the early ones and what happened with the the first couple, we know that there's probably going to be something left for them to find. Yeah. So it's like there will be something they have to solve and something they have to figure out, but that's probably going to be what John Doe left them to find and left them to figure out. Yeah. So it's really just going to get us to the next step. Mm-hmm. So Somerset and Mills go back to the precinct where a bloody John Doe walks into the precinct and gives himself up. What the fuck? I don't know, man. I don't know. I had no idea. Absolutely no no idea what the hell was going on here. No idea. This was like one of those moments. It's like, I I actually felt like, did I miss something? Like, did I miss a bunch of time in the movie? Because this doesn't make any sense for me. Yeah. But it's Kevin Spacey as John Doe. And we already talked about why that was such a shocker to see him, but he's covered in blood. He's got bandages on all his fingers because he's cutting his prints off. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's what a wild, what a wild scene. It is. It is wild. We don't know why he's doing it. Um, you can see that Somerset is very concerned with what is going on here and why he would do this, why he would turn himself in where Mills is kind of like, well, we got him. We got him now. Like now he's ours and he's in our, like we have our hands on him. So he is captured. We got him. It's uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I will jump uh, a little bit ahead just to something that John Doe says uh, a little Mm -hmm. bit in the future. He says that um, if you want to get noticed, you can't just go and tap, someone on the shoulder anymore you have to like Mm. make a bigger statement 
And right. even though that comment came later than this scene, I feel like it's really echoed in this scene because he walks into a police station covered in blood with like bandages all over his fingers. And he's allowed just to walk in and you can hear him as Mills and Somerset are walking up the stairs and talking. You can hear John Doe saying detectives. Yeah. Detectives. And then he has to scream at them. He literally shouts out like detectives. Like he can't, you can't even walk into a police station covered in blood and get noticed anymore. You have to scream at the detectives to get caught. Totally. I always think that when he does that scream and he's surrounded by like police officers, nobody has looked at him yet. And he's gotten so far into this uh, police station. Yeah, that's a really good point. I I think it just like it it, like further solidifies this world that they've created where things are are getting so bad and so disturbing and so wrong. Uh, the reason that Somerset needs to get out, it's like this, t- this type yeah. of stuff is happening, you know, all around all the time. Yeah, for sure. So they've got John Doe. They can't find anything on him other than that. He's independently wealthy. He's well-educated and he's totally insane because he's chosen to be John Doe. That was his choice. Yeah. This is, this is who yeah. he is. He is John Doe. Yeah. Now, John Doe's attorney tells the police there's two more bodies and John Doe will take Mills and Somerset to those bodies at 6 p.m. today. John Doe says if the detectives don't agree, the bodies will never be found. And Mills knows there's something up and says that they already have them. So, like, Mm -hmm. why bother going through all this stuff? And the attorney says if they agree... John will sign a full confession of guilt. If they don't agree, John will plead insanity. And the attorney thinks that he'll win that case for how like absurd all these murders were. Yeah. And the police question if there are even two other bodies, like why even believe this guy? Yeah. But along with John Doe's blood and the blood of the last victim, There was the blood of a third person on him. Right. So this all could be true. There's at least someone bleeding. Well, and if it's with John Doe, that person is most likely dead. Most likely, yeah. Um, Yeah, so they they decide that they will uh, go with him. They'll they'll, they'll go where he tells them um, that he's going to go. They'll escort him. And I love, again... Morgan Freeman's line preparing Brad Pitt. So Somerset preparing Mills for this situation that they're going to go into. And he just says, if John Doe's head opens up and a UFO flies out, (laughs) I want you to be ready for it. (laughs) Totally. And Mills is just like, yep, yep. Yeah, I'll be ready. Like Somerset knows he knows that this guy is capable of absolutely anything. So if his head opened up and a UFO flew out, you need to be ready for that shit. Yep. But how can you be ready for that? Sure, try, but you can't be ready for that. As much as you prepare for that, that. if you ever saw that, you'd just be like, I'm not prepared for this. (laughs) Yeah. 
And then as they're like shaving their chest to like put a wire on, they're making jokes about shaving their nipples off. Like it's just, <laughs> it's the job. Like it's still their job where it's just like, you know, this is could be the most dangerous thing we're doing, but uh, we're still going to make jokes about it. Yeah, it's a hard job, man. A hard job. It's a hard job. It's a hard fucking job. Yeah. So, yeah, they've agreed to the terms. Um, they just want they just want to finish this. They, they just they want it done with. So let's do what he's do what he's asking for. Yeah. I'm and I'm just so jacked up at this point for this final scene. Like, oh, yeah, I'm so excited. I cannot like state enough how excited different scenes in this movie make me and this one in yeah. particular like just leading into this final scene i'm on the edge of my seat man it's just ah it's yeah. so good and I, and the movie is like absolutely fantastic from front to back but like these last 20 minutes are are the best like it it does not let you down oh no not at all um i think at this point you kind of start one of the best final acts of any movie yeah. in existence. Uh, I agree. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. In in any conversation of the best kind of like yes. final parts of a movie, the cliffhanger, the ending, this has to be in the talk of the best. For sure. So listeners, if you have not seen this movie yet, this is where you need to check out of the podcast. Yeah. Go watch this movie. It. Um, keep your eyes closed for most of it because it's scary, scary as fuck. Yes. But yes. you would definitely want to see this remaining 20 minutes of the movie for yourself. Yeah. So goodbye. We'll see you next time. Yeah. Fast forward right to the last 20 minutes and just watch that. You've already no, heard us up to this point. No, you need you know the, what's no, going on. I disagree. <laughs> okay. Don't listen no, no, to Dean. Do you that. need the whole experience. You need to okay, experience okay. this movie. This sure. movie. Okay. We are doing our best to explain this movie to everybody, but this is one movie that has to be seen. You have to experience yeah. this movie. There's so much going on sure. that our words don't capture. It has to be seen. Yeah. It's October. What else do you have to do? Just go watch this movie right now. Yes. Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman are just so fantastic in it. Brad oh Pitt's constant just like fixing of his hair is so relatable like i don't know if i've just seen a character fix their hair so many times in a movie and it's just something that like at least when i had hair i would do all the time i'd always check the back of my head to see if i had any hair sticking up and he just does that all the time in this movie <laughs> it just it really stuck out to me as just like oh he's a person he's a real person yeah he's awesome he's awesome dude i love brad pitt just love him yeah one of my top actors obviously i mean he's probably on many people's top actor list but one of my one of my tops for sure definitely one of the tops yeah when when i heard that um he and leonardo dicaprio were going to be in a quentin tarantino movie together mm -hmm. i lost it you died i lost it i murdered myself you did yeah <laughs> you did that for the deadly sin of um i think all of them Tim. all of them yeah it was, great it was, it was, it, it was, was all envy. Of them. It was lust. <laughs> it was all of them. You were pride. It was you were very proud of it. It was pride. <laughs> I was gonna say for the deadly sin of of extreme anticipation, but yeah, everything they all right. fit. They all fit. Yeah. Um. So we get this absolutely excellent car ride scene out into the desert, where you have Mills and Somerset in the front seat. You've got John Doe in the backseat. John Doe looks scary as hell 
He says he was punishing the people for their sins they were guilty of. He says this is his work. Yeah. This is what he does. And this is this is where he says people won't take notice if you just tap them on the shoulder anymore. And he says when his work is done, people won't be able to comprehend it, nor will they be able to deny it. Yeah. That's a line. That's a line. And also it's like, what's going to happen? Like, I can't wait to see what happens. I think in this, in this conversation, this conversation is so cool. It's filmed so awesome between the three of them in the car. You know, sometimes we're watching people through the cage because they're in a police car. Sometimes we're not. It depends who's talking to who and who's like, um, yeah, who's, who's basically talking to which person will be either looking at them through a cage or not. Yep. I think Morgan Freeman has him stumped like three times in this conversation. And he always comes up with an answer where I'm like, oh yeah, like that is a good answer. Like he is so, so smart, this John Doe. That's an interesting point. Um, I totally understand what you're saying. Uh, I'm not sure if it's stumped because like, I agree with you. Like, it seems like he's stumped. It seems like the, the questions Somerset's asking are questions that John Doe needs to come up with an answer for. But I feel it's more like John Doe is having to understand himself why he's doing these things. Like maybe he's yeah. been so far removed from his original ideology of why he's doing this. Nobody's he's probably hasn't talked, like had a conversation like this with anybody in, in a really long time. And Somerset's asking him these questions that actually are causing him to think about his answers and think about yeah. why he's doing it. So while he does pause to take time to answer, I think he's actually reflecting within to kind of determine, yeah, why am I actually doing this again? And then, yeah, all his, his answers are just home runs for like the reason yeah. he's doing it. You know, like it's all very believable. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. It's more, it's more stumped when, like when Somerset asks the question, then I'm like, oh, that's going to get him. Like, there's no way he has an answer for that. And then you're right. Then he sort of like processes it and gets to like the answer of why he's doing something. And, and yeah, he's probably just never been faced with someone like giving him these questions before such a great scene yeah and i I like while somerset is like being respectful and asking him these questions like trying to understand his motive for all this you got mills on the other hand who's just super agitated with him still believes he's insane and is just like interrogating him in a completely different way still like um insulting him and telling him all this stuff like he's crazy and you know I love the juxtaposition of these two guys sitting in the front seat with completely different views on John totally. Doe, having this conversation with John Doe in the back seat, and John Doe's just rifling answers off to both of them. You know? Yeah. Really, really good. Really good. It started right with the first scene with those two guys, and it's continuing on till now. They are sticking to their characters that are much different than each other, but now they're sort of working together. You know, there's more, there's less of like, I feel like there's less of Somerset being like, why are you saying that you're an idiot? And more of just him like understanding what Mills is like. Yeah. So they get to the middle of nowhere, and John Doe asks what time it is. And it's 7.01, and Doe says it's close. Doe starts leading them off into the desert on foot. And again, man, you're going to hear me say this a few times in this last kind of wrap up of the movie, but this is all done so well. Um, 
just some of the best setup and anticipation in a movie ever. Yeah, this, man. This is masterful. This final yeah. scene is masterful. Suddenly, there's a van speeding down the road coming towards them. Now, I guess what we should say is we haven't really said this before, but they're not alone in the desert. Like there's cop cars, a bunch of cop cars followed them. There's police helicopters. Like they're taking all the precautions to make sure nothing goes bad here. But John Doe said he had to be together with Somerset and Mills specifically for this this all to make sense. So he has to be escorted to that place with them but it's fine that like there's a helicopter watching them and like yeah police vehicles following them right so with this van coming towards them somerset starts running back to their car to where the van is coming like on they left the Mm -hmm. car on the road van's coming towards it somerset runs back somerset blocks the road and he says be ready for anything Mm -hmm. he fires his gun in the air and orders the driver out of the van The guy gets out, and he's a delivery driver. He says he has a package for Detective David Mills. Oh, okay. Curious. He goes into the van and pulls out a box and gives it to Somerset. I definitely thought this guy was part of, like, the whole plan of, like, he's going to come and, like, detonate a bomb or something. Or, like, oh, totally. the the back's going to open up and there's going to be dudes with machine guns firing at everyone. Yeah. What I still don't get, it's like only one lane and he is just flying down that lane and he doesn't hit the brakes until Somerset shoots that gun once and he still almost hits him. Like, was he just going to swerve around this guy who is standing in front of his car in the road? Like this, this guy just seems, oh, I guess, you know what? He's late, right? He's, He's late. late on the delivery. It's supposed well, to be seven. So I think, I think he yeah. would have just zipped right around Somerset just to get to where he yeah. needed to go. Yeah. He got paid a, a handsome price to make this delivery. Yeah. And I think. You know, he had to be there on time and he was a minute late and he's just rushing. Yeah. Yeah. So that actually makes sense why he's just flying down the road. But that adds to like that adds to our suspense. Just this this van's just flying at him. It's going so fast down the road. I'm so nervous seeing this van flying down the dusty road. Yeah. Now, John Doe, who's kind of off with Mills a little Mm -hmm. bit further into the desert, he tells Mills that he admires him. So Somerset, he doesn't really know what to do with this box. Like he, you can tell he's kind of like hesitant. Like, what mm-hmm. is, is it? A bomb? Like, what do I do? And you can tell he's just, he's he's troubled with what to do. But he finally decides to open it. Yeah. And I, I like it because I think in the in that moment he's putting everything he knows about John Doe together in his head to try to decide if he thinks it's a bomb or not, if he thinks it's okay to open it or not. And he because he keeps looking back to John Doe and he keeps looking back to the box and I think he decides. I'm going to open it. He knows that nothing good can come of it, but he has to open it. Like just the circumstances have forced him to do it, but he definitely doesn't want to. He opens it. He looks in and he freaks out. And we can't see what's in the box, but he says that everyone needs to stay away. John Doe has the upper hand. Another freaking fantastic line in this movie. We don't know. We didn't get a look. But he just says, John Doe has the upper hand. Now, all I can think is, what the hell could possibly have been in there that John Doe has the upper hand now? Yeah, exactly. How could this guy have the upper hand? He has the upper hand now? You're surrounded by police officers. Yeah. Even if it's a bomb. It's like, what do you mean? That's not the upper hand. He's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, surrounded by yeah. police. What? Yeah. 
what could possibly be in the box that gives him the upper hand now? I, I love it. It's just like time yeah. slows down for me here. I'm just like, I always get chills. It's a perfect I always line. get chills at this one. It's just so beautiful. I'm just, I, yeah. I need to know. I need to know what's in the box. Uh, You're not the just, only one, Tim. It's just, incre- this is incredible storytelling. I can't stop. Yeah, it's amazing. Like raving about this story. I love it. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I've said it a bunch. I love this story. I think it's just incredible writing. This movie, Tim, incredible script. Loving this script is not one of the seven deadly sins. So you're fine. So John Doe tells Mills he wishes he could have lived like Mills and how he admires him and his pretty wife, Tracy. Doe says he visited Mills' house earlier that morning and tried to play house with her, but it didn't work out. So he took a souvenir, her pretty head. And because he envies Mill's normal life, envy is his sin. Mm. Doe tells Mills to become vengeance, become wrath. He says she begged for her life and for the baby inside of her. Jeez. Mills didn't know about that baby yet. Somerset did. Mills didn't, though. Yeah. And my goodness, dude, like Mills is trying. Brad Pitt here. Brad Pitt. Yeah, Brad Pitt here. It's so good here. So good here. He's trying his hardest to hold back um, in in amazing acting. This has got to be like one of the, you know, top clips of Brad Pitt just for like a 10 or 15 100%. second clip of Brad Pitt's best acting. This this is it. As, as Everybody strong, knows the scene. Yeah. As strong as his acting was in this movie, this this scene makes the rest of it look actually kind of a little bit weak because this scene was so strong, so powerful in my it's opinion. It's so good. It's so good, Tim. Somerset tells Mills that if he shoots John Doe, then John Doe will win. Uh, Mills is utterly destroyed. He's trying his hardest. He's going back and forth from do it, don't do it. And he ultimately does shoot John Doe in the head and then several times on the ground. And for the first time in the movie, Dean, we see one of the seven sin killings happening in Mm -hmm. real time. Yeah, true. Um, Yeah, it's uh, it's just so it's it's just such quite a shocking ending. You know, it's just like it's so shocking. you, You don't. You just don't see it coming. No. Um, even though John Doe's telling us the whole time that it's just like everyone's going to understand and it's going to be, they're going to remember me. It's going to be so big. And it's going to be so big because he's preaching to Mills, telling him that these people deserved to die for their sins. So what does he do? He goes and commits one of them just so someone who doesn't believe him, doesn't believe he's doing the right thing, will do the same thing he did. Will kill him because he committed a set, one of the one of the deadly sins. It's uh yeah, it's just so good that scene like there obviously everybody knows the like what's in the box line. I love what he says right before it. He says to Morgan Freeman, "I saw you with the box. What's in the box?" And it just like I don't that I saw you with the box makes him sound so pathetic. Like he's just so broken down at that time. He sounds like a little kid. Like yeah. I saw you with the box. True. I saw you over there with the box. Yeah. What's in the what box? It? Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. The entire thing, not just the one line, but just the entire scene. It's just 
Oh, yeah, I'm with you, man. It's just the ending of this movie is just so powerful. It, it is. It's just one of the best. I just, oh, it's so good. So from there, um, we see from that police helicopter's point of view, uh, it's looking down on the ground. We see Mills walking away from what he just did. And I love this. It's the audio in the helicopter of, of one of the police guys. And he says, somebody call somebody. Yeah. I thought that was so perfect because that's how, that's how I felt. I'm like, what? I, I don't even know what's going on. Like somebody help me here. Somebody do something like somebody call yeah. somebody. Yeah. Beautiful writing. Um, uh, we get a scene with Somerset and he tells the captain to give Mills whatever he needs and mm-hmm. says that he'll be around. Yeah. And the end. Yeah, man. And dude, you just, you can't come back from ever seeing this movie. This is just, if you no. see this, if you watch yeah. this movie start to finish, this is a part of your life forever. Yeah, for sure. And if you want to rewatch it, like you've seen it and you liked it and it's been a couple of years and you throw it on again, as soon as you see Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman on the screen together, you're just going to get that feeling again. You're just going to be like, oh yeah, I forgot. This movie is fantastic this is one of the best movies out there um there was a little bit of movement tim on my top 50 list oh this week after i watched this one interesting it wasn't quite in the 50 it was just outside lied to me and uh i well i said it was on my list oh yeah right you've got the floating list your top 50 is my floating list has like 87 on it or something so i float things in and out of the 50 it was on the 87 it wasn't quite in the 50 i i did a david fincher ranking after i watched this movie and i had social network at the top and just after this i just had to flip them um so i put i did put this at the top so i had social network in my top 50 so i had to make sure that uh seven was above it so seven's sitting at 47 right now nice very nice um yeah it it's just it it's it's definitely uh my favorite fincher and it's just it just is one of my favorite movies one of my favorite brad pitt performances um i just always remember that scene at the end i actually in my weekly movie trivia um recently i had a final question that was what was brad pitt's first oscar nomination Mm. and all i could think about was was this movie and it was the final question i answered seven our team lost because that is not the answer after watching it again this time i stand by that answer i will answer that every time because it is so good he should have got it for this movie (laughs) Sure. Yeah. I mean, he did a great job. Yeah. But the thing with Brad Pitt is he's such a, like a powerful actor that I kind of went back to this one and I was like, uh, this is okay. Right. Yeah. For, for Brad Pitt, because he's done like, in my opinion, he just got so much better. But at the time yeah. when this one came out and this was his most recent movie, this is just a stellar performance, but yeah. you know, he got so much better that going back and oh, watching totally. it, I was kind of like, I actually don't think this was quite as good as you know he oh, could really do. yeah 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 but i really love it i really love him in this i just yeah i i, I always forget I, maybe it's just i always forget he's kind of still doing the brad pitt thing he's still like an over-the-top character and i uh i just always forget that before i before i throw it on 
I actually thought that he was um, overshadowed by Morgan Freeman's performance. In this oh, movie. Morgan. Yes. Morgan, Morgan Freeman, Freeman is so incredible. Let's flip it. And like for Morgan Freeman performances, yeah. like that guy is yeah. a fantastic actor. This has got to be near the top f- for uh, me, for, sure. for his roles. He just. Yeah, same. He fucking clobbers this movie. It's amazing. Yeah. Like, I feel like he is this character. It's it's just yeah. beautiful. So I think. I think Brad Pitt had a hard time kind of living up and acting against no, a good this point. performance. Uh, that's yeah, kind of what stuck out for me. Um, so getting back to Apartment 5A, like I oh, mentioned yes, before. Tim, 5A, what is it? Okay, so uh, now knowing everything that happened in the movie, I saw the 5A and uh-huh. I, I knew that Brad Pitt becomes Wrath. So I was oh, thinking, yeah, yeah. is Wrath the fifth deadly sin. So Ah. I went down a rabbit hole of are the deadly sins listed in any sort of order. And the very, well, they say in the movie that they are, and he's doing them out of order. Okay. Well, I looked for an order. The very first place I went, wrath was number five. Then I checked a few other sources and that was not the case. So I thought, well, there's no concrete evidence that wrath is number five, but in the movie, there's a scene in the police precinct where they have all of the deadly sins written on a chalkboard and Wrath yes. is listed as number five. So that's where oh I God. think it comes into play that Wrath yes. is number five. Brad Pitt lives in apartment 5A and I finally found a secret in the movie. So Tim, um, in that scene, they're explaining what book they took that order out of and they're saying that's the book that they think he went by. So they're confused because gluttony isn't one. So they're confused about what that is. And Morgan Freeman's just kind of like, oh, well, let's not worry about that for now. I bet you there's more secrets throughout the movie of the orders. Like maybe maybe the house numbers, maybe the apartment numbers, maybe everything else. There's like a, a door number or yep. something in the room that tells us the number of the sins. I want to sure. watch it again and look for that. For sure. There's so many numbers That's on awesome. buildings and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I, I think there's so many Easter eggs in, in this movie. They just, oh, yeah. they did them so well that it's so hard to pick up on. Yeah. Cool. Well, listeners, thanks for tuning in again. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please go to buymeacoffee.com slash talking back where you can, um, you know, make a little bit of a donation to the show. If you feel so inclined, uh, there's a membership option. And if you sign up for that, you will get some free content from us, some additional content that nobody else but you will get. And uh, if you'd like to leave us a five-star review on Apple iTunes, that's always appreciated as well. Dean, thanks for joining. Thank you, Tim. And thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time.
la la. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. That's it for another episode. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as TalkBackPod, or by email at TalkBackPod at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews will help more people find Talking Back. All right, that's it. We're done.